0: Hi, I'm Trent England for Save Our States. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Six Questions. This is Six Questions with Dr. Matthew Spaulding. He's the dean of the Van Andel Graduate School of Government at Hillsdale College, which is based in Washington, D.C. The rest of Hillsdale College based in in Hillsdale, Michigan, uh, which is beautiful this time of year. It's a little cold in the winter. Uh, But uh, Dr. Spaulding, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast.
1: Great to be with you, Trent. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, so uh, I know that so much of your work has focused around civics. And I think many Americans would agree that there's a crisis in civic education in our country. I, I wanna start off with a really serious question, which is what, what is the nature of that crisis when it comes to civic education in America?
1: Uh, sure, no, that's a great question. and really uh, is, is the question in many ways. Uh, not just of the of the moment, but really the one of the most important questions for what it means to be an American. I mean, the um, the claim of republican government, by by which I mean small republican government, constitutional government, uh, self government, is that uh, it would work differently here in this country. In other countries, where you have a monarch or a despotic or a strong strongman state, shall we say? Uh, you don't really need to worry about the formation of your citizens. Uh, the, the government kind of does it for you. Uh, so what they think isn't really that important. Well, but in, in a self-governing nation, in a, in a government where people vote, where people participate, where people sit on juries, uh, the formation, their civic formation, their formation as citizens is, is, is crucially important. Uh, well, then the question has become, is really how do you do it? Do you let it happen by itself? Do you just let it kind of naturally occur? Do you not do it in the classroom? Is it it part of your formal education process? And and I think in a a regime especially like the United States, uh, and this would be true for any other Republican government, uh, part of being a citizen is knowing the history of your own government, how it developed, its its strengths, its weaknesses, how it came to be. uh, what? What? Uh, how does it currently work, how does it operate, how is it supposed to operate, how does it actually operate, how does a bill become a law, as we, as we say in Schoolhouse Rock, all that stuff becomes very important. Well, uh, traditionally, we put those things together. Uh, it's done through a formal classroom uh, program, but a lot of it occurs in the family. Uh, it occurred especially in K-12 through education, uh, but then there's really continuing civic education, if you think about it. That's what um, many great statements by the government or a, a Supreme Court justice or reading speeches is all about. Uh, all of that put together, we call it civics education or, or education for, for the civitas, for, for the citizen. Uh, that's all crucially important. And I think that it's always a debate. It was a debate at the beginning. It was a debate you know, in the early Republic over the Civil War in the early 20th century today it's always a debate. How do you form your citizens? What kind of citizens? What kind of country are we going to have? So here we are again, uh, yet another debate. It continues.
0: One of the really loud voices in that debate is the 1619 Project, or, or sort of the, the milieu around the 1619 Project. Uh, Dr. Spaulding, what what is the problem with the 1619 project I, I hear a lot of people say well this is just about you know you mentioned uh you know teaching uh the strength but also the weaknesses and so people say well we're, we just want to teach the weaknesses and people are scared to address the weaknesses of our of our country uh, obviously I think that uh I think something else is going on but what, what do you think I mean what what is the nature of the problem with the 1619 project in particular
1: well, so, so, so now we kind of get down into more of the, some of the specifics and, and more of the debate of the content of what civics education should be about. And, and here I, I can make some general comments, but I'll make a, a very specific comment first. By, by, by the very virtue of the, uh, of, of the name of it, 1619 Project, uh, clearly it's a juxtaposition to 1776. And as you, as you know, I was recently the executive director of something called the 1776 Commission. Uh, setting aside the particulars and the uh, who's who and what's what, uh, those are two different claims as to what was the beginning of the country. Uh, And that's crucial. and goes to the heart of civic education. Uh, What is the beginning? I mean, America is, in most countries, but America especially, is this very unusual country where the ends of the country are defined by its beginnings, how it started, how it began, Uh, what the principle that guides it, uh, what is is its uh, compass, if you will. And and that crucially goes to this crucial point. So the broad question here is a debate between what was the beginning of America. Uh, The 1619 Project claims that the beginning of America had nothing to do with 1776 at all. It had everything to do with the time at which uh, slavery was introduced on the North American continent. Uh, Setting aside the historical points about that, as I think there's actually some discrepancy about that, I originally were indentured servants, but granting that, um, that's a pretty pretty extensive claim. Uh, the, the particular claims made by the 1619 Project as it was published in, in the New York Times was that the American founding, which is say the Declaration of the Constitution, the founding broadly understood uh, was specifically, uh, the country was specifically founded to perpetuate, to continue, to strengthen slavery. Uh, well, okay, this is now getting into I think pretty shaky historical grounds. Indeed, um, um, pretty mainstream historians, uh, you know, Gordon Wood, uh, Don Fehrenbacher, um, uh, you know, some uh, several of them have openly written about and criticized uh, that claim, that historical claim, which I think is rather unfounded. But, but here's a more general point I think is important for, for those interested in following this to keep in mind. Uh, we think, and my answer here is already kind of assumed this is a historical question, that is, we're debating history. And I think there is a historical question kind of at the heart of the matter. And we didn't talk about those things. Uh, we should teach about slavery. We should have our historical facts correct. We should teach of words and all. I'm, I'm completely in agreement with, with that. And if that's what this was about, that would be fine. But the 1619 Project and a lot of the other current debates on civics education has nothing to do with history at all. This is really about uh, about politics. Uh, it's, it's really a, a more immediate form of what is often called presentism, or what I, what I call looking at history backwards. That is, we have a fight we want to win today. In this case, it's about race in the country, which is tied to uh, a particular administration and spending and and uh, federal policies and, and whatever it might be. And we look backward at, backwards in history to find the best thing to help us make that argument. Uh, that's what's really going on here. This is, this is a, an ideological fight in the current day and, and uh, history is merely the mechanism for, uh, for, that, for that fight, which as a historian or someone who respects history and, and, and tries to be historically accurate as much as I can uh, I find that uh, frustrating. If it, if it were merely a historical debate, we could have the debate, but I, I think that's not what's going on. So we need to recognize that uh, so that we then can have a serious discussion about teaching history to K-12 through students and what they need to know, what's the most important things for them to learn, so that we can teach history. History shouldn't be whitewashed, uh, but it also shouldn't be ideologically charged in, in uh you know, we need good, fair, and honest history. Uh, and I think that's unfortunately not what we're getting right now.
0: I'm talking with Dr. Matthew Spaulding. He's the Dean of the Van Andel, School of, uh, Van Andel Graduate School of Government at Hillsdale College uh, at their campus in Washington, D.C. Dr. Spaulding, you were a part of the, the last administration's 1776 commission. Hillsdale College has continued on that work and just recently released a, a curriculum based uh, a curriculum based on uh, I, I think some of the work of the 1776 Commission. Tell us about that, that. I mean, this is you're offering an alternative, I think, to what we've been talking about with the 1619 Project and some of these these attempts to I, use uh, ideology to to change what civic education means.
1: Uh, well, sure. So I, I took a leave of absence and was the executive director of the 1776 Commission, uh, and I left in in December, so after the election. It really had nothing to do with the election. Indeed, if I were asked by the current president to take a leave of absence to do a commission like that, I, I would probably do it. Uh, I saw this as an opportunity to to put a marker down to make a statement to engage in this in this fight. Uh, and I, I have to say that if, if, first of all, if if you haven't read the 1776 report which the commission put out and you're interested. go read it for yourself don't read the um don't listen to my account or read somebody else's account read for yourself um and what i find amazing is that two three years ago there's nothing in that report that would have been controversial at all uh this is things i i've been studying and teaching about for 20 30 years as have others you've studied this as have others um it's a pretty straightforward account of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution and how America is really guided by its principles, trying as best it can to become a more perfect union through the constitutional structure. Um, You know, uh, it it got caught up in this ideological debate. It it, it was uh, thrown out, it was abolished by the the new president, I think, because of an ideological agenda having to do with equity and and, uh, federal government policies. Uh, the commission, even though it was abolished, we did decide to continue meeting. We met uh, a few months ago, uh, re- recently, uh, here at the Washington D.C. campus. So the commission continues to be uh, to do some things. Uh, but Hillsdale College has continued its contributions. Hillsdale, of course, has long uh, worked in these fields. And so we have now actually issued the Hillsdale 1776 curriculum, which is a full K-12 through 12 curriculum focusing on civics and history having to do with the founding of the Civil War. We'll eventually have a more complete curriculum, but for now, that curriculum, which is the the civics uh, and history part, is absolutely free to anybody who's interested in it. Uh, And we put that out there as our contribution to this. Uh, And it was really written uh, in in, in that spirit, which was to create a straightforward, honest uh, curriculum about American history. It talks about its weaknesses and flaws. Uh, but also its its uh, greatness and its nobility, it's, its great principles that guide it and what it has uh, created over time such that we should be preserving it. Um, and that's what we think students should know. And, and I encourage people to go look at that too. Don't take my word for it. It's available to anybody that wants to, uh, that is interested in it.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll post links to both the, the commission report and the Hillsdale College curriculum. I'm really excited about uh, both of those things, but I think that I think the curriculum is going to be really, really useful to a lot of, a lot of parents in particular who should take it, you know, if, if they're homeschooling, it's sort of obviously applicable, but I, I think for, for other parents whose kids are in a school, whether it's a public school or a, a private school to compare the curriculum that Hillsdale has published with what their kids are actually learning. And, and I think, I think for a lot of parents, they may discover some, really glaring gaps, again, whether it's a, you know, a public school or a private school, I think there, there are a lot of challenges in, in both places. Uh, Dr. Spaulding, I have to ask you this, I think a lot of people are, are curious. Um, it, it certainly appears that Hillsdale College is immune to all of this campus radicalism that we see <laughs> roiling other college campuses. Uh, you know, is Hill, Hillsdale immune? And if so, or, or you know, to, to, to whatever degree Hillsdale is immune from all this, why is that? What's the, what's the secret sauce?
1: Well, I can give you a, a, a practical answer and a broader answer. And the practical answer is that, you know, first of all, we're an old college. We've been around for a while. And uh, since the day I was offered, we never took any federal money. Uh, we don't accept any federal loans. We provide loans for our own students, and we raise money to support the work of the college, which means uh, we're we're immune from at least... At least um, so far, we're actually immune from a lot of the regulatory matters that are besieging a lot of colleges. Uh, that allows us to kind of maintain and and hue uh, to our original uh, mission, which is civic and religious liberty and a true liberal arts education. Having said that, I think that um, we, we are unique and have a unique situation uh, in which we work. But having said that, they're, they're really, on the other hand, there's, there is nothing unique. Um, I think what we're seeing going on in, in a lot of higher education is a complete and utter failure on the behalf of uh, professors, but also administrators uh, and, and students for that matter to, to really just kind of uh, stand up and, and talk about it and um, look at these things from a point of view that is anything more than the immediate passions of the moment. Uh, I think a lot of schools would get a lot of support if they did that, especially private schools. The public ones, it's a little harder because they're susceptible to the the, the, uh, political uh, public politics, which is why a lot of these debates going on, and I think the most heartening thing I see going on around the country right now are lots of parents getting involved in school boards. Uh, I think sometimes we forget that, uh, and this is one of the things that the 1776 report makes a big deal out of, the the driver's seat here is not the uh, not held by the federal government. The federal government has virtually no role in in uh, in education, especially civics education. Education simply, this is a role primarily for the states, and even below the states uh, for local school districts. Uh, but it's the states who through state legislation uh, create uh, civics requirements. They create the the grounds and descriptions for curriculum for the schools, uh, and you know, too often I think we've been ignoring this, uh, and over time, this is what we see happen. So, the flip side is the state government and local government, school boards, is one of the easiest ones to to influence. And I encourage uh, parents, school board level, and organizations like yours uh, at the state level and in, in strengthening states to now make sure that education is one of those issues they're especially concerned about.
0: So we've been talking about Hillsdale College. Let's talk about another great college, the Electoral College. Doctor Spalding, <laughs> you were you were featured in, uh, so in documentary. Like, the documentary. Electoral College
1: is easier to uh, you get better grades in Electoral College than you can at Hillsdale. <laughs> That's right.
0: <laughs> you were you were featured in our documentary Safeguard, talking about why this matters so much. What what is if there was one thing that Americans could come to understand about the Electoral College that would help them see why it matters so much? What what would that be? What what do you want Americans to know about uh, this structure that our founders created?
1: Well, that's a that's a good question. And and and, and first, I have to say that at this point, you've you've done so such great work. It's hard for me to think of things that I can say that you haven't already thought about much better.
0: Well, that's, that's I, I had like, great professors.
1: <laughs> I, I commend you for all of that. Uh, but having said that, in you know, as as you kind of look back over these things in hindsight, uh, I think it's so important to just generally understand. The how the institutions, the design, if you will, of American government, uh, the Madisonian project, uh, the the intricacies of the Constitution, the checks and balances, how important all of that is, and you know, in the heat of the moment, uh, in the the we, we love to be very idealistic and immediate and and get our gratifications, uh, but but really, it's, it's those institutions which are so important to the workings of government which ultimately means, at the end of the day, the, the, the liberties which we enjoy. And the Electoral College, long ignored, long misunderstood, uh, is really one of those key institutions. It, it played a role, the founding especially, in terms of the states and the state roles and, and uh, forcing um, uh, non-regional candidates. Uh, but it, it still plays a, a, a significant role today uh, in, you know, uh, pushing out uh, national campaigns to to smaller states, and and especially especially now more than ever, uh, when a closely divided uh, country, um, in which you can put together all sorts of different ways to win the presidency, uh, these little states become even more important. Um, I mean, federalism, uh, the idea of federalism and you know, electoral like college is a key mechanism, a key uh, a key. Um, way in which federalism exists within the in the federal government Uh, federalism really is is so important becoming more and more important and and any institution which we can continue to defend which uh strengthens federalism keeps federalism uh, i think is is uh all, all to the good uh and and losing those if we want to think about the alternatives for a minute because if the electoral college goes the senate goes Um, and, you know, other things go as well, for that matter. Um, Why do we have two branches of the legislature at all? Um, You know, at a certain point, as as more and more power is subsumed under the modern executive, uh, you know, self-government itself becomes less and less uh, significant for how our constitution works. Well, at at that point, I think we're really on not only um, uh, weak ground, but we're well into a different, form of, 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 of governance. Uh, so, so I think the Electoral College, it's sometimes seen as a sleepy issue, sometimes seen as a narrow, small, particular issue that people don't quite understand. Uh, really, it's really on the forefront of, of defending uh, American constitutionalism. And so I think it's crucially important.
0: Dr. Spalding, I wanna thank you for joining us on our Six Questions podcast. I have one last question for you. That we always uh, end up with, and that is, who is your favorite founding father and why?
1: Uh, that's a good question. I'm glad you end up on that. And uh, but in my, but in my case, the 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 answer is actually quite quite easy. Uh, I think the answer is George Washington. Um, and I'll give you I'll give you a short answer, a, a a a silly answer, and a more serious answer. I studied George Washington as a graduate student because all the smart kids were writing really long and hard dissertations on. On founders that wrote a lot, and I thought George Washington would be easier, Um, but little did I know that once I started writing on George Washington, his his body of writings actually far outweighs all the other founders. Indeed, most of the founders combined. Uh, He's extremely complicated, um, man of action, uh, but he embodied the principles of the founding, and so uh, Washington is really the greatest of the founders. And I think that has to be one's answer. Anybody else that says anything else is wrong, in my opinion. Uh, Washington is, is, is the answer because Washington really embodies the idea of a founder. Uh, he embodies uh, what, what Aristotle would call the magnanimous man, the, the essential idea of a statesman. He embodies the ideas, the principles. He, he really lives them, uh, but he sees them carry out in action and through his decisions, his prudent decisions. And uh, in that sense, he took us from the Revolution as a general to the Constitution and founded the country.
0: Makes sense to me. Dr. Matthew Spaulding, Dean of the Van Andel Graduate School of Government at Hillsdale College based in Washington, D.C. Thank you so much for joining me on our Six Questions podcast. And uh, thanks to all of our viewers and listeners. Of course, you can find more about Save Our States at saveourstates.com or on uh, social media. Just search for Save Our States. Uh, Please uh, use our resources, share them with others, and uh, please go and find that uh, Hillsdale College 1776 curriculum and make sure that that's what your kids or your grandkids or any young people around you are learning. Uh, That is the foundation of our republic. Thanks again.
1: Thanks, Trent.